Hello, Rue. Hello, Nick. How are you today? I'm very well. How are you doing? I'm all right. Hello, listeners. You're listening to Beardy Dads. This is episode 26. What have you been up to, Rue? We've been having fun with our, um, what is he now, eight-month-old baby boy, Oliver, learning new words, taking him to signing classes. Yep. He's at this amazing age where he's soaking things in really fast. And he's recognising words and looking at things when you say them. So like, he, he knows the word for brick truck and he knows the word for elephant. Um, <laughs> or, or at least there's a place on the wall in the bedroom that he associates with the word elephant because there's an elephant on the wall. Right. Um, I'm, I'm not saying that he knows what an elephant is yet, but he knows <laughs> that the thing that we point at when we say elephant is the thing that he will then look at when we say the word. Right. Um, yeah, it's really exciting. And uh, teething, we talked about a bit about last time, and he's so nearly there. There's like a little almost like a dent now in his gum where the tooth is just just uh just under the surface. Right. So I reckon by the next time we speak he might might well have got his first tooth through. How about you? You were getting ready for first day of school. Yeah, it's been big big week for Toby this week. So Toby's just turned 4 a few weeks ago, which means he got to start school this week. That is a big big milestone, isn't it? Yeah. So we uh took him in together on the Monday morning. Um, which is all very exciting, seeing all the other kids with their parents, you know, not knowing anyone else there. <laughs> you know, a few kids in tears at the prospect of going to school and <laughs> being... Oh, yeah, I can imagine. ...leaving their parents. and But Toby was taking it all in his stride. He was qu- quite excitable. Um, I think an excited little puppy, if you can imagine it. <laughs> I can. Um, it was quite funny. We we did the walk from the, from... Uh, they do a park and stride, so you park about 10 minutes away and walk in because it's not much space at the school Hmm. and we happened to walk in with another kid who happened to be in toby's class but that was quite nice to you know we could get to know a parent and and hopefully you know at least introduce the two children and yeah that's handy settle in on your way into the yeah yeah so this kid you know he's really nice but he turned four last october so, in fact, he's just about to turn five. So, they're sort of the opposite ends of the Absolutely. academic year, then, opposite in ends. terms of age. Yeah. So, so this boy was walking in sort of nice and calmly with his parents and baby brother. And Toby was just like the excited little puppy wanting to <laughs> run around and show everyone everything. And um, it was very sweet. But, yeah, you know, it was just interesting seeing that, that, that range. Um, but, no, he, so he went in and he enjoyed it. He did a half day on the first day. Um, nice. Really enjoyed it, and was excited to go back for day two, which good, is good. always a good sign. Yeah. And yeah, no, he's had a great week. That's brilliant. Yeah, really excited, and it was interesting to see just how different it would be to nursery because obviously going in full day at nursery, mm. and mm. it's little things like on on when he came back on the Tuesday, though, on his second day, he told us about today they'd been learning about how to hold up their hand if they wanted to talk. Is that you? Who's not done that before? Yeah, not had. Well, they may have done it at nursery. I don't know, but not. Yeah, clearly it's being sort of taught to them now in a school. So, over dinner when we were chatting and um, we had often we one of our games at the moment is doing little quizzes about you know what animal am I? I've got a long neck and all this sort of stuff. Mm. But we had to play it over dinner. Um, we would all have to raise our hands if we wanted to answer, <laughs> and he would call on us to give our answer. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah, it's good fun. And then today, uh, end of the week, Friday, we got the text from the school because you know it's all all online and stuff, saying Toby had been awarded the Worker of the Week. Oh, good boy! For his class, so he's come home with a trophy. 
<laughs> first week he's got a trophy. First week he's got a trophy that he gets to keep till next Friday when he'll go to the next worker of the week. Oh, but wow. Having absolutely no concept of how he would get, take to school because he was so excitable that first day, would it be just too much for him or what? I don't, you know, you just had no idea. Mm. But it's, you know, it's quite a proud moment when he, he yeah. gets something like that. So. Yeah, I bet. How does it feel having so much of it out of your hands or, or does nursery prepare you for that? I suspect I mean, nursery prepares you for that to a degree. You know, you're used to now him spending a third of his day, eight hours of his day, with other people doing other things. And I think we've grown accustomed to just not being able to draw out of him what he's done that day. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But um, it's also just suggesting to the school ways, you know, with um, him coming home with his book bag, with his reading book in, or some activity sheet on you know we've got our first bit of homework which is to be fair it's um for us to print out a baby photo of him and talk to him about it for him to take in next week so it's not that's good i'm I'm glad it's homework for you rather than for him that would be horrible yeah first week well quite but it's 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 um homework in the sense of some activities to do together which is quite fun Mm. you know Mm. um i think the the main um well, the hard part of it all has very much been the getting up in the morning. And I think that that's been the case for everyone. Having gone for some time since having to get everyone up out and out of the house by 8am, it's been a difficult week. Yeah. Uh, uh, Lauren, so Lauren's what now, seven months old. Having having gone through that she would typically sleep through the night, most nights, for the last couple of weeks, she's been waking up fairly regularly. Um, and this last week in particular, she'll be up two or three times through the night. Oh, ouch. Um, and even in the evening, she's she'll go down for about an hour, then she'll cry, and it's really weird. And even throughout the night, it's not she doesn't want food. Cow pulse sometimes helps, sometimes doesn't. But as soon as you pick her up and put her on your shoulder, she slams her head onto your shoulder and just goes, goes to sleep. Yeah, we've got a bit of this at the moment. And my um, book about the leaps you know the um the wonder weeks the wonder weeks book yeah suggests that this is quite quite a big leap coming up right but it can be very frustrating that she sleeps so perfectly when nestled into you <laughs> on yeah, on her front or you know sat when you're sat down but just you try and put her down <laughs> yeah and it's funny i said to joe i guess it's only fair we have this with lauren because toby was so easy we never had it with toby at which point Joe reminded me that we did have this with Toby. <laughs> I just have blocked it entirely out. And yeah, in my recollection, Toby slept through from very early on. Apparently that's not the case. Not. Equally, that makes me think in you know, a couple of years' time, it will be long forgotten. Yeah, you'll remember the good bits. Mm. Even over quite a short period, I think it's quite easy to round off the, the difficult bits in your memory. Um, yeah. I'm always... Yeah, I I think I'm very optimistic and and, uh, I tend to round up when it comes to how well Oliver's doing when it comes to sleep. Uh, But yeah, we're we're definitely going through some of the same things that you're seeing at the moment. And I'm Mm. I'm putting it mostly down to teething, but there are definitely um, development changes and yeah, his his brain is making connections all over the place. So it's it's not Mm. surprising that he needs a bit of extra affection and attention and, you know, he... he, uh, yeah, he doesn't want to be asleep. He wants to be standing up. He wants to be walking. He wants to be seeing things <laughs> yeah. and playing with things. You've lowered your cot to the lowest. Yes. Yeah, because he pulls himself up. Yes. Yeah. I'm not sure if he does it in his sleep, but he definitely, uh, every time I've I've 
gone into his room when he's been crying, he's been standing. Right. Um, and obviously when he's tired, he, he can pull himself up and then quite easily fall back again as well. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he's he's bashing his head a fair bit. This week he's got a couple of bruises on his forehead. And, right. Yeah, it's a bit, a bit sad, really. It's it's. Mm. I don't like to see him in pain. I don't like to see him no. hurting himself. And yeah. Well, so Lauren, um, she's so on the verge of pulling herself up. I mean, I think I said last week, if, if you put your hands in front of you, she'll pull herself up on you. Mm. But she's not quite at the point of doing it on furniture. Right. But she's not really showing any signs of wanting to crawl yet. And we think she's a bum shuffler. Right, yeah. Um, so much so, um, I when Toby had his half day on Monday, I worked from home to look after Lauren when Joe went in to see him at lunchtime. Mm. And I had I was doing some work with my laptop on my lap. She was sat at my feet on the floor with some toys, just happily playing. And I look up, and she's about a metre and a half away from me <laughs> with some other toys, but still sat on her bottom. So she's sort of slid forward. Yeah, she she just I I I know some babies do that. Yeah, some do the crawling, some do the bum shuffling, and she's definitely a bum shuffler. <laughs> but she it's really spooky because you don't really hear her doing it. You know, you just she's just playing, and you look up and then she's sort of sat exactly as she was, just a meter away from where you put her. <laughs> That's brilliant. Sort of sidled along discreetly with yeah. her. Yeah. Interesting. Well, it'll be uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if she misses out on crawling all together and just go straight up on two feet. Hello, Hanik. Welcome, Baby Dads. We have a congratulations uh, to share with listeners. Ben Hammersley and uh, his wife, Alex Krodowski, have had a baby daughter on the 7th of September. Um, I don't know what uh, she's called, but uh, she looks absolutely beautiful. And, uh, yeah, congratulations to all three of you. And Ben uh, tweeted something uh, quite funny. He, he said, the NHS is our NASA. Fight it and I will cut you. <laughs> Yeah, so true. You no, do it's... you do appreciate it a lot more, don't you? Yes, you do. No, it, it, it is a marvelous thing. It's all too easy to take for granted, and I think I think we would a lot of us would miss it if it was suddenly not there. We've had some um, other news, some other follow-ups from what we spoke about in the last episode. We had the tip from Phil about the Tommy Tippy Perfect Prep Machine, and this actually seems to have um, sort of struck a note with a few of our listeners. Um, we had a tweet from uh, Dave, Magimix79, saying he's purchased a Tommy Tippy perfect prep machine and it's a godsend. No hassle, no fuss, two mins and bottle is done. But he he does, in a balanced review, does give it um, one, one issue is the noise. It beeps very loudly and he hasn't found any way of muting the beeps, which I can imagine if you're, mm. if you've got a yeah, sleeping baby in the room. You're trying to prep something, or yeah, middle of the night. Middle of the night. Oh gosh. Yeah, I guess it's it's the same with the microwave. If oh. you're zapping something in the microwave, that can be um, a bit obtrusive. Yeah, our microwave is painfully loud, and I've often yeah. wanted to take it apart and and try and uh, damage it in some way. Yes, I, I don't think microwaves are one of those appliances you really should be thinking no. about taking apart. <laughs> no, it's it's probably a good idea not to try. However, baby's toys or, or children's toys, um, a tip that I picked up from someone, maybe my dad even, um, is that you can stick sellotape over the little speakers and that will mute the sound to some extent. So it, yeah. you'll still hear it, but at least it won't yeah. be quite as annoyingly loud. That's good. Well, a, lo- a lot of the toys we've got have that the power switch is sort of off and then it will have two volume settings Ooh. so a, a quieter and a louder handy and you know so clearly the manufacturers have cottoned on to this 
if they're making toys with very annoying sounds that they should the least they could do for the parents is put a quiet setting have a quiet mode well it yeah. sounds like tommy tippy need to learn this for the perfect prep machine as well yeah absolutely but we also heard from uh peter fletcher at joy feed saying on the subject of the formulas that you can of course prepare the bottle of boiled water in advance and let it cool down sort of naturally on the side add the formula to the now cooled water whenever you require it that's handy so you're not having to do it in real time in in preparation of making formula you could actually have yeah. have some boiled water ready to go yeah and in fact it's something we, we are doing with lauren although we're not um, not for formula but just having a cup of water for when we are feeding her when i go to bed and you know, make a cup of tea for going to bed i then pour water in her beaker for the morning so it cools down overnight and likewise when we make tea in the morning we then put water in her another beaker for her lunchtime feed uh, are you planning ahead yes and, I, and as i think we said peter also recommends you can still buy the cartons just to have in reserve just for those odd occasions you forget yes we've been um definitely relying on a little a little cache of pre-mixed uh, handy formula in a bottle because that's just so quick and easy and uh, yeah in the middle of the night that always seems like the easiest option really yes i think the sooner we can just move on to cow's milk the better do you know what age that happens roughly i suspect it's one of those things i probably do know but um i guess i'd be making it up right now let me just go see what let's in the check, background let's, check, the let's check some facts yes baby cow milk nhs I did NHS Direct cow's milk baby. <laughs> and so NHS Direct says you shouldn't give your baby whole cow's milk as a drink until they're a year old. Although it can be used in cooking or mixed with food from six months. Well, that sounds fairly reasonable. You're not that far away then. Yeah. No, OK. Well, I think we should... We'll have a closer look at that. Mm, interesting. Another subject that we talked about in the last episode was colic and I admitted that I don't even know what it is, and we were both very lucky. Nick, mm. both you and I were uh, very fortunate in never having really experienced it with our kids yet. Um, Dave Nice got in touch and said that his eldest had it five years ago, and she basically just screamed for hours and hours each night. I think mm. I've blanked it, he says. Yeah, no, I, I really can't blame you. I mean, I did have a, a quick look up. I mean, I think colic is just the medical term for, and here I'm quoting... Mm excessive frequent crying in a baby who appears to be otherwise healthy and well fed so so almost by definition it's a mystery yeah well and uh, it always felt like to me a generic label for the baby's crying oh it must be colic without really understanding what colic is but the term is it's a term for the baby's crying excessively so (laughs) there you go so we also heard from andrew wheaton who said um, that his boys had colic and they switched to Dr. Brown bottles and comfort milk. And they're nearly three months and back on normal formula now. So, yeah, I, I remember seeing the Dr. Brown is one of the makes. It's one of one of the Tommy Tippy competitors, Rue. So you're probably not familiar with them. No, I've never heard of, of Dr. Brown other than in the context of Back to the Future. Because Dr. Yes. Brown is uh, he's yeah, the, he's quite... the, the mad inventor, isn't he? Absolutely. They're probably not a movie tie-in, these bottles. But no. They have some clever air holes and stuff, so I don't know. I, I, again, that then this comes down to not, not really understanding the science of what what they help prevent, but whether it just helps reduce the wind that they, they gulp down when they're drinking milk, I don't know. Mm. Well, Andrew Wheaton, if you've um, been through a patch of colic and, and found that that's come to an end now, 
then I imagine you're very relieved because I seem to remember Andrew's a dad to twins. Uh, yes, yes. He, I think that he had twins quite recently. Yeah, so uh, I imagine that wasn't fun, having having Colette no. for, for both of you boys. That would be, yeah, very unpleasant. I'm glad to hear <laughs> yeah. that that's finished. Baby dads! So, Nick, I've uh, got a question for you from Graham Kett, a.k.a. One-Armed Freddy. Hmm. He asks us, how do you adjust a two-year-old's body clock? <laughs> Mine, he says, <laughs> seems to be fast. She gets up at 6.30 regardless of when she goes to bed. Yeah, so we've got a four-year-old who's very much the same. <laughs> I think we took a slightly different tack that we um, we got, I was spoken before in a previous episode, we got one of these grow clock lights that you can set what time it changes colour. So in fact it's got a little sun on and a moon on and overnight it's a moon and um, with stars around the edge which slowly count down. And this gave and then, him a way of knowing that it was time to wake up and, and come in and see you and to exactly, have a, a trigger yeah. rather than just doing it whenever he felt like it. Yes, so that I think that was much for us as for him so that if he chooses to wake up at 5.30 he wouldn't come in unless he had to, needed to come in and as I say, I've spoken about we had a tough week for sleep. It wasn't just Lauren. It, I think two nights last week, Toby came in in the middle of the night for various reasons as well. But, yeah, I'm not so sure how, how you go out adjusting it because you can't convince them to go back to sleep if they don't want to. I don't know. I, it, it, it's one we've kind of avoided solving by, thankfully, Toby has taken to responding to this clock so he knows when he ought to be up. But we're not in there keeping track of whether that means he stays in bed or not. I mean, often we'll go in and all his toys will be out. You know he's been up for some time playing. Mm-hmm. But, um, Does this yes. clock, your your um, sun clock thing, mm. what did you say it was called? Uh, it's by the um, Grow Bag people. It's probably got Grow in the name then. Yeah. So does it act as an artificial dawn? Does it get a lot brighter when the sun bit comes up or is it mainly symbolic? It's mostly symbolic. It doesn't really... It's not a light for the room sort of thing, but it's... Um, you know how you might just have a night light in the room mm-hmm. type thing? Mm-hmm. It doesn't illuminate the entire room at daytime. It okay. just goes from a sort of subdued blue to a orange um, between the two. Right, but it's not significantly brighter, so that the, when the sun mode is on, then that's that's the... Not significant. I mean, it is a bit, because it's um, it's just a more vibrant orange than a blue but but not to the point that that change would wake him up right one of the reasons we got it originally was moving into the summer when it was just so light in the mornings that his room would be quite light so you couldn't use the natural sunlight as the cue as to whether he'd be awake or not yeah because in the middle of the summer like five thirty in the morning you're going to start getting yeah. a lot of light through the windows yeah. and even with blackout curtains you know you still get and you know, unless you seal the windows you still get light in you know, it's still mm. you can still sort of t- sense if it's daytime or not but um yes so i doubt that's very useful for for uh, graham but i guess if any listeners have any tips i mean if anyone's had some particular um challenges or or solutions to that problem we'd love to hear from you yeah i'd be very keen to hear about um about how you encourage children to get up when you want to get up um, actually, if I was in Graham's position, everything would be fine because six thirty is when I get out of bed, so that would be <laughs> ideal if I had a, a regular and reliable alarm clock. Yeah, if any listeners do have any suggestions on how to, how do you adjust a two-year-old's body clock, then do get in touch. 
As ever, you can email us. We're podcast at beardydads.co.uk. And we're on Twitter as beardydads, all one word. Beardydads! Um, obviously, babies nap a lot. and they're, they're not just sleeping at night, but they're also sleeping quite regularly through the day. Hmm. Toby's four now. Um, is he still taking naps during the day? And is that something that school accounts for? No, no. So he's not had a nap during the day for... Um, oh, it would be... A year or two. Oh, I, really? Yeah, I, wow. yeah I, I can't remember when he would have stopped having naps. Um, on some occasions, he will um, fall asleep. Yeah, if, if we're driving somewhere with, if at the weekend, if we've done something during the day, he will fall asleep in the car. But it's not like he needs a nap during the day in his part of his routine. Mm, I thought um, that carried on for a lot longer. That's interesting. Yeah. No, not for us. I'm... Yeah, I, I I can't remember when during his day routine naps stopped, mm. um, but but yeah, I, I don't think they've factored in for some time. Because I'm 34 and I'd still quite like one. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I at at the weekends often I find my I, I will have a nap in the afternoon on the sofa with the kids playing, and it's great. Yeah, it's the best. In <laughs> yeah. fact. Yeah, no, it's, I would I would very happily after lunch have a little snooze every day. Yeah, um, I mean, Joe, Joe might not agree <laughs> with me falling asleep on the sofa, <laughs> but, you know. We've heard from another Graham this week. Graham White has been in touch with an interesting tip, something I hadn't really thought about. Um, Nick, you're you're like me. You're probably a fairly safety-conscious chap. Mm-hmm. You probably want your house to be as, as safe and as free of child imperiling obstacles as possible <laughs> so i imagine that like me you've got a bunch of socket covers uh covering up the electrical outlets in your house yes we, we've got a f- one or two dotted around from ikea yeah i think ours are from ikea as well so graham white has pointed us in the direction of a website uh fatally flawed.org.uk um because he's been thinking about his his baby who's turning obviously quite fast into a toddler at the moment um and, uh, yeah, this this site points out some interesting things about socket covers, so things that I hadn't really thought about, but as, mm. I'm, as I'm reading them, they're definitely, definitely ringing, yeah. ringing true so far. We should preface that this is um, quite unique to British sockets and the design of, of the, you know, the three-pin British socket. Yes, if anyone's not familiar with the way that British sockets work, they, they are unlike most uh, countries, and especially, especially America, which has terrible electricity um it's it's lower voltage but they do have some fairly shocking ways of getting that voltage into things the the sockets and the weird little prongy plugs are incredibly flimsy but the the british ones are big sturdy beasty things and uh, there's a there's a big chunky third pin which is longer than the other two there's like a mechanism that the two live connections are only uh physically opened up by the introduction of this this longer top pin so the the thing itself and this hadn't occurred to me previously, but the thing itself has this kind of shutter built into it. So it is its own safety device. It, it, it's actually not possible mm. to put fingers or objects into the, the live connections of a plug socket unless you, you know, jam something into the, the top one as well. And I think this is where the, the, the point the Fatally Flawed site is making, that a lot of these safety plugs you can get, which are three you know, plastic three pins you stick in and it blocks off the socket it defeats the purpose of the built-in protection because you're, it gives you a perfectly sized device that you can stick in to the third pin, which exposes the other two pins. And because they're normally flimsy enough, you could, you could yeah. introduce it upside down 
Yeah. Um, and and then yeah, if if you've managed to pull it out of the wall and turn it upside down, and you're playing with it, you've got a very handy way of uh, of opening the pins. And I think on the site they did have a alarming photo of the exact IKEA socket covers that we've got. That even when they're put in properly, there's a tiny tiny gap that a folded out paper clip can actually squeeze in. And because the socket's in place, all the live electrics is exposed within. Plus there's a gap where something you know, fine and metal can actually slide in and touch the metal. So now, if your child is going to be quite that dexterous to get such a fine bit of metal in, and this part of me thinks actually socket covers probably aren't such a hazard. I think it's one of those, just to be aware, you know, a exposed socket by itself is not an inherent safety issue for a toddler crawling around with big plastic toys and... Even if they touched it with their fingers, they cannot get their finger anywhere near live electrics. Yeah, with, it would be quite with modern hard. sockets. Yeah, even and, and with a well-built one that that meets standards and everything. Yeah. But but yes, it seems to me that socket covers aren't in mm. in most cases, especially with small children, especially with you know yeah. sort of young toddlers, they're not actually helping very much, and and they're no longer giving me the nice reassuring sense of oh yes, well that's that's even better now. Yeah, that, that they used to. It, it does remind me also that when I was about seven, I think, I uh, was feeling exploratory and I took a paper clip and I didn't try and shove it into a plug socket, but I did shove it into a light switch. <laughs> and uh, right. I, I gave myself quite a nasty shock because there's just enough space uh, in the in the gap around the switch in a, a wall light switch. Yeah. You can shove a paper clip in there quite easily. Um, I, I don't recommend you do it no. but, because it hurt. Uh, but yeah, we don't have a way of covering those up. So um, may- maybe this is more about education and less about physical protection. Mm. We'll link to the site because I, I think it's it's generally one worth being aware of. I, I think I'm, I'm a bit ambivalent on this one, but if people want to have a look and, and make up their own minds, it's certainly made me think again about whether socket covers are everything that I thought they were. Yeah, they're not... I don't think they're top of my list to solve. I think things... The, the more inherent risks are the corners of tables and the <laughs> yeah all the once lauren starts cruising and crawling and walking and just being a bit clumsy yeah. then in the short term it's much more head injuries i'm interested in avoiding than <laughs> the, the log burning stove being out of but, it out yes of yes the uh the scalding hot fire place yeah that that's that's a good one <laughs> baby dads I have a tip for listeners. Uh, listeners should listen to everything that Nick says because a few episodes ago he recommended the IKEA antelope high chair, and uh, I I think I remember saying at the time that we'd we'd thought about it very seriously, but we ended up getting something different, something that was a bit more fancy, had height adjustment so you could have the high chair at different uh, different heights for different tables. It turns out that this slightly fancier high chair is a complete nightmare. It's really fiddly. It's really hard to clean. <laughs> The cover is this sort of weird plastic fabric thing but doesn't come off very easily. It's really hard to wash. So we've been literally steam cleaning it. Uh, right. and it's still not, not coming out very well. So, uh, yeah, we're, we've got an antelope on order. You'll be delighted to hear. Oh, excellent. No, we still absolutely swear by it. We love it. It just works so well for us. But it's interesting to see... Um, you mentioned you've got it on order because it's it's disappeared from the IKEA website, which is slightly concerning. <laughs> yes, Yes, there's um, a lot of a lot of people are asking themselves whether this is a temporary thing. Um, there's some some theories circulating online that they've, they're going to reintroduce it, maybe with a, a new manufacturer. Um, right. We managed to find one, uh, I think, on Amazon. Well, I have to say, I was in IKEA this very week 
for reasons I had to go and buy an antelope high chair, they had them in in store. Right. Oh, good. But and that might have just been stock running down. I don't know, but mm-hmm. they still had them in store. Oh, but not not online anymore. That's very interesting. Uh, mind you, I also noticed uh, Dan Cat, a previous contributor to Beardy Dads, recommended on Twitter the Trip Trap chair. Uh, try saying that after you've had a glass of whiskey, which looks really nice. That looks like a lovely chair. Yes, nice sort of wooden wooden effect. Quite simple, quite minimal. It looks like it's one that you sit the child up at the table. It doesn't look like it has a tray in front of it. So, Yeah, I like the look of the design. Um, uh, but yeah, as you say, I don't think there's a tray element to it. So I think you're, mm. you're uh, maybe... Yeah, well, anyway, we'll, we'll include it in the show notes and people can have a look for themselves. Yeah. Beardy Dads. Well, Root, uh, we haven't got any new reviews on iTunes this week. That's disappointing. There were four last time. We, we do treasure every single one. So if you're enjoying it and you've not left a comment, um, perhaps whilst you're um, enjoying your newly acquired U2 album, Yes. Dive into iTunes and leave a review. Yeah, use your new watch to leave a review uh, of our podcast. I'm sure that's a thing that you should be able to do by now. And obviously, thank you to everyone who's contributed uh, to this episode. Uh, And also, thanks to everyone who's been talking to us and about us this week on Twitter, including Nigel Skoll, James Taylor, David Thayer, and uh, Lopter. And of course, a big thank you to Wes for our lovely, lovely theme tune. I might have managed to introduce some extra snippets this week as well because uh, Wes's daughter, Martha, has been recorded saying some Beardy Dads-related things recently. So Brilliant. Uh, you might have heard some new new little child voice stings from Martha this week. Hello, Martha. Yeah. Hello, Wes. Hello, Martha. Hello, Wes. And, of course, I'm surprised we've not thought of suggesting this to our listeners. Listeners, if, you're, if you would like your children to star in Beardy Dads, just record them shouting Beardy Dads and send it in, and we can do something with that. We'll weave it into the theme tune or something. Yeah, do something fun. Excellent. Well, Rue, it's been fun as ever. It has. I'll see you next time. Yes. See you next time, Rue. Good night. Good night. Good night.